And so I just grinded until like it, like I finally got that one client who believed in me just because they saw my hustle and they like gave me a chance. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-Okome. So let's get started. Today's episode is brought to you by Gusto. Gusto offers modern, easy payroll benefits and HR to small businesses across the country. They were even named Best Online Payroll by PC Mag. And as a Side Hustle Pro listener, you will get three months free when you run your first payroll. So sign up and give it a try at gusto.com slash SHP. That's gusto.com slash SHP. Hey, 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 guys. Welcome, welcome back to the show. Today in the guest chair, we have Jarena Whitfield, the founder of Wit PR, a New Jersey-based boutique strategic communications firm. Trina has had an amazing and diverse career thus far, which has spanned spearheading communications and marketing efforts for leaders in the nonprofit, corporate, and political sectors, as well as small businesses throughout the tri-state area. Her clients have been featured on Good Morning America, in the New York Times, Essence, and more. You may be familiar with WIT PR client, The Budget Nista, who has graced the Side Hustle Pro guest chair, as well as made several appearances on the real daytime television show. On today's episode, we learn how Drina started WIT PR in her living room in 2009 with no clients, no media contacts, and no mentors. We'll also learn about the side job she worked for years to invest in her business while it was still growing. And what side hustlers need to know about when and how to get pressed for your business when you're just getting started. So welcome to the guest chair, Drina. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. As I mentioned in the intro, I think there are a lot of misconceptions about PR, who needs it, when you need it, how you can prepare yourself. And I thought you'd be the best person to talk about this. But before we get into that, though, I'd love to know a little bit more, a peek into the life of Drina. Who are you and what do you do? Lord, there's so many layers. No, um, so my name is Drina. I started with PR maybe a little bit over five or six years ago um, in my living room with no client list, no media contact, nothing. Um, just really just an idea of what I wanted to do and who I wanted to work with. Um, I went to, I went to HBCU. I went to Lincoln University in Pennsylvania and I studied mass communications there and they didn't really have a PR focus. So I went into like uh, marketing and I was a communications major with a business minor, went into like marketing and took some like general communications courses that, you know, kind of just shared the umbrella of what can fall under. Um, and um, I was initially going to go into TV production. But I took an internship um, doing PR from SCORE, like a nonprofit in the area. It was actually the Girl Scouts out there. And um, that's kind of where I got the PR bug. So once I graduated college, I worked in corporate America a bit, not really finding a fit for what I essentially wanted to do because it wasn't the roles I I was working weren't really PR roles. 
And so I just quit my job one day and started the company with no, with nothing. Oh my God. How long had you been working, you know, after you graduated before you did that? Um, About like five, six years. But so my first job out of college was in Jersey City working for like a startup. It was called the Central Avenue Special Improvement District. And basically what they did was they worked with mom and pop like shops on this one street in Jersey City called Central Avenue to help them do like marketing campaigns and PR campaigns so they can compete with some of the big, bigger retailers coming in the area. And so that was my first gig and it was kind of like a temp job and it wasn't making a lot of money. And then I ultimately got a job working as a temp for American Express doing direct marketing. At that point in time, like, you know, when you graduate college, you're just like, I just need a check. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I was like, I'll take whatever I have to do. And I was like, I ended up doing direct marketing, which is basically, you know, when you get those <clears throat> like letters in the mail with like, you have been pre-approved for a new credit card. with Oh, that was you. Yes. <laughs> I know, Lord. I was like, I hate these letters. But literally, it, it, it allows me to see like the production and what really what really goes in behind the scenes to put together a letter like that. Mm-hmm. People think it's just like a piece of junk mail, but there's a whole sequence and like schedule that goes to creating those things. So I was there for a few years as a temp. I really wanted to get in the Amex as a permanent employee, especially because the CEO there was um, Ken Chanel at the time, who's like the Af- he was like the African American CEO, and I've never ever seen that, especially for a major company like American Express. So I was really inspired to be there, but I was offered another position at Gray Global Group, which is a, a major advertising company, but it was still in a direct marketing lane. So I figured I'd take that job and get into the company and try to move my way around into a role that I really loved, which was like PR. So even when I was there, I was doing the same exact thing, but this time for like Liberty Mutual. And, you know, I hated it, but it was like a steady paycheck. I was in working in New York, which everybody like dreams of doing. Mm-hmm. And then they, uh, they knew my passions, which was ultimately... At first, I wanted to kind of just move into the copywriting side, which allowed you to write like the copy for like the major advertising campaigns, but also try to also finagle my way into corporate comms. Um, it didn't never, it never happened just because there weren't a lot of opportunities at the time. And then I was also applying for jobs in PR. Um, and a lot of them were like, yeah, you can start off as an intern. Or, right, right. You know, Starting I over is hard. Yeah, it's it's really hard, especially when you're like, I'm going to check. What y'all yeah. talking about? Right. Or I should um, say, it's not that it's hard, but it requires sacrifice. It, it It's not impossible. So I don't want to discourage yeah. anyone from starting over. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because I did, I did ultimately start completely over. But at that time, I was in that mind frame like, um, no, I'm not going to start off with intern. I have bills. I, I need to make some money. I need to, you know, buy things. Yeah. Um, and live a life. Um. But I hated my job so much. And I think it's just because I knew my passion wasn't in it. And I'm the type, like, I know if I come into a space and I'm not feeling it within the first two, three, four weeks, I know it's not the, the space for me. Um, long story short, I stayed there for, like, a few years. And, and in the interim, I started, like, helping a lot of small businesses or entrepreneurs that I knew at the time, like really come up with like some marketing campaigns. I was like, yeah, I can help you get like some media stories. I can do PR for you. Really just, just selling them a story or 
a dream that I had not even you know, <laughs> fully executed. And um, a, a few folks tell me and I helped them start like some of their initial marketing and PR campaigns. But it was really Tiffany, um, who everybody knows, like uh, Tiffany, the budget Liche. She and I grew up together in New Jersey. Her sister, her youngest sister and I were really close growing up. And we just stayed in kind of contact over the years. I haven't seen, I hadn't seen her in years and um, we just reconnected and she was telling me like about what she wanted to do in terms of launching the Veganista. And I was telling her my dream was starting a PR company. It was something like I had shared with everyone. And then we just started it in my living room. She started her company with like her, the one week budget. And I started with PR and she was my first client. I love that. So wait, to take it back one step, why PR? It's funny because sometimes when we want to do something else and we haven't done it, mm-hmm. then when we're exposed to it, we're like, oh, it's not what I thought it was. But you seem like you had a strong affinity and you kind of knew what it was. Did you do it in undergrad for organizations or, you know, how did you come about loving public relations so much? Yeah, I interned in college working for the Girl Scouts of Valley Forge. Um, in their PR department. And then for my graduating class of, of, at Lincoln University, I was the VP of communications and PR. And so even during my studies at undergrad, I got to see like there's so many different layers of PR. You know, a lot of people get hung up on like, oh, you get to do like fly parties and, and like be around celebrities, et cetera. And, you know, that's not necessarily it all the time. It really isn't. Um, but I really loved the like pitching piece and like seeing like seeing something go from just a, a concept to actual like an actual placement or story. And I don't know, I just love it. I don't know. A no, lot that's... of people that I know that are in this space, uh-huh. they ultimately hate like the one thing that's a crucial part of PR and that's like pitching. A lot of people I know hate that piece. But I I mean I love it. I don't that's so you know good. I'm just yeah. weird but I do yeah. like pitching now. Well, for myself, but you want to know something funny? My first job out of undergrad, um, well, my, really my second job because I transferred within MTV and I was working in PR. And I'm I'm like those people. I was this scared 23, 24 year old, hated pitching. <laughs> I was like, yeah. these people are going to hang up on you know, me. At first you're like, exactly. <laughs> at first you're like scared, yeah. but then you're like, why are you they're just an everyday person like you and and they need content they need you know new information Mm -hmm. so they it's it's a relationship where both people need each other as long as it's a good fit um but let's talk a little bit more about that so what is pr in your own words for those who really don't understand the difference between that and marketing how the two combine so the way I like to explain it is like the difference between PR and marketing is this marketing is like a brand saying like, Oh, we're amazing. I'm amazing. We're amazing. And then PR is like someone actually saying, yeah, they're amazing and getting the buy-in from folks. So like a lot of entrepreneurs, they get really confused around the difference between the two. And they just really, the lines are so like blended and blurred that no one really knows until you actually sit down and tell them. Um, when I when I bring on a new client, because a lot of them do get confused, I, I basically tell them, like, this is how long it's going to take. This is what we are actually going to focus on. We do traditional media relations. That's our primary focus. Like the events activation, helping you create digital campaigns. So that's a completely different, like, scope of work. We can help that with that. But our primary focus is media and relations and engaging the press 
to get features done on you or your company or like your your brand. And when you say features, you're talking about placement, articles written about you, online, in print, that kind of thing. Radio interviews, broadcasts, like TV interviews. So yeah. Got it. Now let's go back to you and Tiffany starting in your living room. (laughs) So at that time, was this what is now called WIT PR? Or did you go through no. some iterations? <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was like, we were actually talking about this the other day because I was like, child, what was I doing? Because I was coming up with some weird ass names. And just because, you know, I was so young and naive. And I was just like, oh, what if I do like cupcake PR? And I was like, because I had, I loved cupcakes. I don't know. I was trying to be like girly. I don't know what I was doing. Yeah. But we were like, um, yeah, no, that's not going to work. I went through a few different names. But I know just one of the most ridiculous ones was cupcake PR. Oh. And then I was like, my boyfriend, my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, was like, well, why don't you just like use your name? And I was like, Whitfield PR? I was like, ugh, no, because I don't like my dad. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's a whole no story. But, um, <laughs> I was like, well, what about wit PR? Because, you know, it's witty. Like, you there's so many different, like, ways you can play on it. Whitfield, my last name, witty. And so that's where it just kind of stuck. And what were those initial days you just starting out like? How are you getting paid? How are you finding clients? <laughs> I was barely getting paid. I mean, so I quit my job. I went into my office and I gave my two-week notice at Greg Global Group. And I just knew, I had people that, you know, I was really naive early on. And, you know, I'm grateful for like being that naive when I started just because it taught me the hard lessons very early on of ways to have like your business tight when it comes to like client engagement. Um, so I didn't have contracts or anything. I just had verbal agreements from folks like, like, yeah, um, we'll hire you to do this and we'll work out payment. Yes. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> so, you know, I quit my job. Like I'm about to, I'm about to blow up. I'm about to make it. I got clients lined up. So yeah, when I quit, nobody came through and paid. And it was just like crickets when wow. it was like time for me to like, follow up and like because I was like so like I was so naive and so like I'm going to make this happen I would do the work on the front end and then send an invoice oh, and they're like uh, no my budget my budget is only this like people yeah. were trying to pay me like three hundred dollars wow and that's something that we go through too right when you're first starting out yeah you have to learn which clients are yes. your clients? <laughs> yep. And yep. You can't first, pick on anyone yeah. mm-hmm. Did you find yourself starting with the friend circle and having to move away from that? I did because like I said, I wasn't getting paid. So even part of that was, you know, I quit my job. I had my own apartment and everything. And I was like, I need to figure out how I'm going to like survive because no one's really paying me because PR is such a trade that people, you don't see a result instantaneously and folks aren't like they're really scared to invest in PR just because of that and then there's so many like you know just shady PR people who will like work with folks take their money not do the work I've like I've dealt I've had so many clients or or folks tell me like horror stories that I feel really bad Mm -hmm. but when I started, I had to ultimately go back and work into retail while I built up with PR so I was at J. Crew in Jersey, Short Hills Mall, folding up shirts and taking customers all the while I was still trying to build with PR. That's I had real. quit my corporate job. Yeah. I had quit my corporate job to like start a company that didn't really have 
financial backing. It didn't really have a solid client list. I didn't have any media contacts. I was just like, I had a dream and I was like, this is what I really want to do. And I'm one of those folks that are really like stubborn when it comes to like really doing things that I know I can do. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up working back at J. Cruz for a minute. It was embarrassing. Yes. Cause I saw people that I knew, but I knew my end goal yeah. was like, I wanted to have a company, a viable company where I could legit like have clients, I could have a staff. And if this is what I got to go through, this is what I got to go through. And I had a really supportive, like my, my family was super supportive. My boyfriend at the time was super supportive. He's now my husband. Um, and so I just grinded until like, it, like I finally got that one client who believed in me just because they saw my hustle and they like gave me a chance. Yeah. And it was actually, it was actually this guy named LeVar Young, who was the CEO of this organization called Newark Now, which is the nonprofit organization founded by Senator Cory Booker when he was mayor of Newark. And he was like my first legit like paying client. It wasn't even a lot, none I think that, but he was like, yeah, I'll pay you to have you do social media and PR and write help press releases for the organization as a consultant because he saw the hustle. And then as a result, like he like connected me to a few other folks over the years who helped me secure contracts. Nice. I Mm -hmm. I can so relate to taking a a few steps back as you try to figure out your path, but you really have to have that vision. You're you're so right. You have to know that. Listen, I might not know where exactly and how (laughs) it will all fall into place, but I know that thing I was doing before is not it. I know that wasn't for me. And and that was also my drive. Like, well, I know what is not for me. Now, as you were learning and perfecting your craft, were you also taking classes in PR? Because a lot of this sounds, uh, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, like you were kind of learning and teaching yourself. Well, yeah. So I did, um, you know, I took PR courses in undergrad. I, I had some on-the-job like experience when I was working for the first organization out of college. And then I was part of it teaching myself, but then I also went back to get my master's in strategic communications at Seton Hall University. Okay, okay. And that provided me additional course load. But, you know, when I was there actually pursuing and, and taking my classes, I was like, these are things that I've already learned because yeah. of, like, just my day-to-day work. There's nothing can replace experience, right? Yeah. Like, they'll give mm-hmm. you fake assignments. You know, school is awesome. And you, you need the mix of both. Like you need the structure, the frameworks, but then you also have to go out and implement it to truly learn <laughs> what works, what doesn't. Yeah. Speaking of what works, what doesn't now. Okay, let's talk about these pitches. So you are new. Mm-hmm. You are a new publicist trying to get mm-hmm. your clients in the door on major publications, broadcasts, radio shows. How did you break into those circles, those networks and, and get your clients the, the exposure when you're just starting out? Yeah, I mean, it I, It also goes back to, like, my upbringing because one of the things that I used to do when I was little was I would write fictional, like, stories for my girl, like, my friends. Mm-hmm. And, like, in, in, like, in middle school, and I would, like, write, like, this whole little, like, fictional novel and share mm-hmm. it to them. Like, here's chapter one, y'all. Here's chapter two. Here's what happened. And it really de- it helped me develop my love of storytelling. So I've always loved to write, especially when I'm writing like a story. So when like, for instance, with Tiffany, my first, you know, pitch for her was around how she like climbed out of like such a huge amount of debt and how like she's a brown girl trying to teach folks personal finance. There was nobody doing that at that time. 
And so literally I just would crank out these pitches and send it far and wide and just follow up aggressively. Like, like I said, I had no contact. So I was just like, okay, so I'm going to call, I'm going to email, I'm going to email again and I'm going to call until somebody finally was like, okay, yeah. And then it also helped that Tiffany was developing her own brand. Like she's a marketing like, like genius. Yes. So like her, her, the work she was doing on her end coupled with what I was doing, like for the external facing work, it just, you know, did together nicely. And we got, finally got some media attention. It was local and it was small, but like I tell entrepreneurs all the time, like that's where you need to start first. You need to build that support in your home base. It allows you to practice. It allows you to like develop some media and brand awareness in your area um, to kind of like help develop you as an expert. That's a really good piece of advice. And you're so correct in that it's something that you often don't leverage because you you just you're so focused on like you got stars in your eyes you're thinking of like yeah, what is like what am yeah. I really doing Everyone in does. my neighborhood mm-hmm. what am, who knows me here <laughs> exactly but the thing is like you can't get on the real or Good Morning and Mac or Today Show I mean you can don't get me wrong but you it's always best to practice on like a smaller market. When Tiffany would first go and do TV interviews, she would be up there like, yes, and girl, and ooh. And I would be like, who is that talking like that? She does not do that now because we had, like, extensive media training. Like, we would look back at the tapings and the recordings and be like, yo, you can't do this. Like, this is not how you can, like, is is this how you want to present yourself to, like, the general market? No. Starting locally allows you to practice. And um, it allows you to like just build like your media clip. When was it that you said, okay, I can quit J. Crew, I can quit, you know, looking for a full time job, and I'm going to bet on myself, and and I can now do this full time. Um, I think it was after I started working with Newark. Now I think I secured a few, like maybe two other clients that were helping to like, you know, offset the cost and really to help me supplement what I would be making, like if I was still working in, cor- in corporate America or even just what I was making at J. Crew. I stood at J. Crew for a minute just because of like the discounts were really good <laughs> and um, the hours, you know, I could essentially be there at 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. helping the merchandise team get the store ready and then I can bounce and still go do my company. Oh, so I wasn't, I didn't fully quit J. Crew for, I mean, I like, I haven't worked there in years, but like I worked there for at least like two or three years while I still built up with PR. Okay. And now, before we jump into some of the kind of do's and don'ts for entrepreneurs, can you share Mm -hmm. in your own business? I know one of the biggest things with publicists and working with a PR agency is the whole retainer. Can you tell Mm -hmm. us, you know, what that is? How is it structured and and why is it so important? What I did was I did it. I developed our retainer like with trial and error. And then like as I grew into like my space and, and like being like recognized by folks, I took on a mentor at Prudential. Her name uh, is Dawn Kelly. She was the VP of comms there. And she really helped me, like, figure out, okay, like, these are what these big white boys are doing. Like, so I can see, like, you got some, like, I can see, like, something in you. Let me help you structure how to develop a retainer, how to create contracts and all of that. And so I really just based it off of, like, our, initially I based it off of, like, a monthly rate, I mean, I'm sorry, an hourly rate and how many hours I think something would take. And then now that I have a team, I have to factor in like salaries and hours allocated to a specific project. 
Okay. So like a minute, like even like with PR, a minimum PR retainer can start off as low as like three thousand, but you can also get clients that pay you up to ten thousand a month. Hey guys, it's Michaela here with a quick word from our sponsors. If you are side hustling. I know that you need to constantly learn new skills to do things like put up your own website, market your business, and so much more. That's why I keep Skillshare in my business arsenal. Skillshare is an online learning community for creators. There are over 25,000 classes in subjects like Photoshop, accounting, copywriting, and even podcasting. That's right. I recently published the How to Start Your Own Podcast, Podcasting for Beginners course on Skillshare. So now you can learn all of my podcasting secrets over on Skillshare. Whether you're looking to start a podcast, though, or just grow your side hustle or gain new professional skills, Skillshare is there to keep you learning, thriving and reaching these new year goals. I, for one, have a course on copywriting next up in my Save Skillshare classes. And now Skillshare has a special New Year offer just for Side Hustle Pro listeners. Get two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Nikayla. That's N-I-C-A-I-L-A. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash Nikayla to start your two months now. One more time, that's Skillshare.com slash Nikayla, N-I-C-A-I-L-A. If you have a business or you know someone who does, you probably know by now that small business owners, we wear a lot of hats and some of those hats are mad fun. I'm not going to lie, but some of them like filing taxes and running payroll, they're not so great. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes and HR actually easy for us small businesses. It's fast with simple payroll processing benefits and expert HR support all in one place. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes, so you don't have to worry about all that. Plus, they make it easy to add on things like health benefits and even 401ks for your team. So those old school clunky payroll providers that you probably thought you had to look at, they just weren't built for the way we work as modern small businesses, but Gusto is. So let them wear all of those hats for you. You have better things to do. Side Hustle Pro listeners, you get three months free when you run your first payroll. So test it out. See for yourself at gusto.com slash SHP. That's gusto.com slash SHP. Now, when did you start taking on a team? So you are now how many years into WIT PR and how big is your team? Right now, there's about five people on my team. Um, and I mean, when I started a few years ago, I would always need like someone, like there were always folks that wanted to help me. So I would have interns. I would have people that would be like an assistant to just help with like some of the day-to-day work because like essentially because we're a small company, you, when you come in, you, it's like a all hands-on like approach. Mm-hmm. Um, so even interns that come in, they get to get they get to get their feet wet doing some pitching, media, building media lists, figuring out vision, which is the database that we use for building media lists, and really get a lot of hands-on experience. And so you are now how many years in? 
um, I did go back into work in-house for the city of Newark when uh, Senator Booker's last term as mayor, and that was back in 2013. So even before 2013, I had started with PR maybe like three or four years before that. Okay. So now, Trina, what would you say has been your biggest blunder? Something you look back at and you're like, I cannot believe I did that as an entrepreneur. Oh, wow. Um, Lord, I'm like, there's so many. Um, I think really just jumping out the window and getting the office sooner sooner than I needed to. When I like before I started working for the center, who was then mayor in 2013, I had an office space in downtown Newark. Um, and you know, just, you know, people want to be a boss. They want to have like an office space and like, they want to have a team and staff and really, you know, naively when I, when I did that, I wasn't really thinking about all of my overhead costs that came with that. So there was the rent, there was a decision database that I was using that really only, like a lot of PR people, they go in on decision with other PR folks. Mm-hmm. I really just paid for that out of pocket myself which is a lot and a huge investment, but I was like, this is what I need. And then I had a team and then like, you know, I wasn't properly charging clients monthly dinners because I was so, I was so like anti to get like, just to get the experience and to get the clients. I wasn't really balancing out my sheets like the right way, but okay. I have an amazing person now who helps keep me in line. All right. So that was like a major, like the main thing, like if you're an entrepreneur, you have to have someone who can balance your books and someone that you can trust mm-hmm. because you need to be solely focused on, I mean, you do need to have your hand in that, but you also need to focus on like, if you're a publicist, you need to be pitching your clients. If you're a chef, you need to be out there like cooking and creating recipes and catering events. Like, you know, there's so many different elements of being an entrepreneur. Like you have to really have folks in place that you can trust and rely on to get the job done. Amen. And A lot of people also lose money in the first few years of business. So you touched on this a bit. And, you know, what has been your experience with becoming profitable? And, you know, how long did you have to side hustle before you really were able to be fully engaged in WIT PR and be profitable? I had to, like, side hustle for a few years. Um, Like, even now, like, I'm in a really great space, but I feel like we could do better, right? So I'm trying to figure out different ways to make sure we're doing the profits that come into the business aren't just coming in from a client, like a client, you know, company, like, you know, exchange. But it took a little bit of time. Like, you know, there's also, like, that's why having that person who can, like, help manage your books to be a bookkeeper and follow up on invoices and retainers, like, that's somebody, like, that's key to my company. That was a major hurdle for me was getting over that like really allowing somebody and trusting someone to like be my invoice and, and, and financial person because PR is such like a lot of my clients, when they, when they come on and we work together for a while, we ultimately become like friends. Like, so there's, we start off with a professional relationship, but then we build like a per- personal one. So there's always like that sticky part of, Ooh, girl, can I get my invoice paid? Or, <laughs> right, right. How do you <laughs> deal with that? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it, like, honestly, it was like, it would give me agita because, you know, at the end of the day, like I, I would be putting myself in a hole because I wasn't following up on invoices. Mm-hmm. And now we have this process when clients come on, like there's a whole like, 
you know, it's automatic. We we are now on automatic payments. Okay. So if you agree to your monthly retainer, you agree to your due date, you agree to the fact that on this specific date, your monthly retainers are automatically being withdrawn. So we don't have to worry about checks. We don't because you know it's just like when people pay bills. It's like, oh yeah, the check is in the mail. Right, right, no, it's right. Not. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, oh, it's coming. That yep, that is definitely. You can see the yeah. growth. You know, just through talking to you from starting out with not knowing what to charge to being like, oh, this is going to be automatic. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. When we'll be taking because this I even every had month. Clients write yeah. me bounce checks. I had clients write me bounce checks wow, before. Wow, wow. Yeah, it's been a rough experience, but like I wouldn't exchange it for anything. Now I know, like, this is this is our standard practice. There's nothing you could tell me now or anything different. And it's not even me telling you that. It's it's someone, on, it's Tammy on my team who's telling you that. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it, it's hard, like, separating the two. So that's why she's a key part of my team. Okay. And how do you assess serious clients? When someone comes to work with you, how do you assess if they are a good fit? You know, this was hard for me as I, I built out with PR just because, like I said, I was just trying to build up my roster, but it also taught me the sort of clients that I want to work with and the sort of clients that I don't want to work with. Now I'm in a space and I can really be picky around and I can really choose and vet who I want to work with because we get a ton of folks that reach out, but they're not necessarily a good fit either. Like, you know, budget is always key. So either their budget's not a fit because, you know, a lot of folks will think it's just me. It's just trainer and that's not the case so um the budget has to be in alignment their their mission and like their brand has to be in alignment like i'm i'm really keen like for a while i didn't want to get pigeonholed into like the black space but you know that's where i thrive i've, I've been able to help many african-american women like shine and tell their stories and i accept that and i love it um, so just making sure they're in alignment with like my core values as a person and why I created my brand, why I created with PR. Okay. And I'm really also key on not taking on clients that are in the same space as some of our clients that are already on retainer. So, you know, everyone knows that Tiffany Alice is our client. So I'm not going to take on another personal finance expert. Folks know that Patrice Color is co-founder, or maybe they don't, co-founder of Black Lives Matter is our client, so I'm not going to take on another client in that space. I'm really key, like keen on like making sure like I'm taking on clients in different spaces, but that also just tie back to like my personal like vision and mission for with PR. Now let us get our listeners' information. What do side hustlers <laughs> need to know? And you know, entrepreneurs, as we are getting our businesses off the ground, how do we? get ready to pursue PR and when do we know if we're ready for PR? So um, I just did like a live with Tiffany for this for her her, her dream builders group and the, the six things that I shared with um, what's the six? It might have been six. The six things that I shared with her group of folks to let them know like this is how you know you're ready to get my, I'm sorry, this is what you need to have in order to get ready for media. Okay. Um, it's, a prof- it's a professional headshot. Okay. Um, because, not a selfie because, you know, people still think that's, that's good to you. <laughs> not necessarily because you need, you need, when, if you're 
thinking about press, they need photos that are high enough, like resolution. So like if they do use it on the website or they do run it in print, it's not pixelated. And you also wanted to make sure like, it's like the best reflection of your brand. So having a professional headset is key. Like that's one of the things you need to invest in as an entrepreneur, as you're, if you're in your side hustle phase and you're trying to build it up, get you a, a dope photographer that can do um, some great headshots. And, and if, you, if you can't even afford somebody, like go to Sears or something and just rock out with one of those for now um, until you can afford a photographer. Um, secondly, is like a professional website. And even in the startup phase, like I know like what, websites can be expensive, but there's so many resources now that you can use to create your own. So like there's Squarespace, which allow which shares like a ton of templates that you can use and emulate emulate just to get something like done. Yes. Um and, and there's also about dot me. So like if you're an author or if you're like building out your personal brand, you can just create an about dot me page, which is like literally just your headshot and like uh either your bio or blurb or whatever you want to put up there just to have something with a digital presence. Um, third would be like making sure your social media presence is a direct reflection of your brand. So if you are building your brand as like a political commentator or whatever, I don't want to go to your social media page and see like you doing some wild stuff on social mm-hmm. because then that's not going to help you when it comes to pitching, you know? And then fourthly, like if you can have some past, past hits that, like I said, that's always key because it allows you to practice. Um, but also when pitching, you know, a lot of times media outlets or journalists will look, do a quick Google search Mm -hmm. to see, even if you've had any past practice, to see how you're on camera, to see like what sort of sound bites you have to know if you're a a fit for them. And then fifth, I would just say patience. I think it was only five. My bad, y'all. Okay. Um, (laughs) Just patience and knowing that it's going to take a little bit. It's going to take some time before you actually get the press that you ideally want or dream of. A lot of folks just think like hiring a publicist is like, yo, tomorrow I'm going to be in Essence or (laughs) I'm going to be on like um, Today Show or whatever. And it takes time. Like there are those like anomalies where that does happen. But even when that does happen, you have to be ready. So the misconceptions that I referred to in the beginning is sometimes with PR and, you know, in the age of social media, people think they can do it all themselves and, Mm -hmm. you know, they can be discovered without a publicist. What are your thoughts on that? And what's the difference between when you do it yourself and when you truly invest in a professional? Well, I mean, when you do it yourself, a lot of folks do technically do it themselves until it's too overwhelming for them. But even when you do it yourself, you don't, like there's a certain level of professionalism that's required for PR. Like you want to invest in someone who gets it, who understands like the time it takes, like, because, you know, if you're doing it yourself, sometimes people just, just like disregard that journalists and producers and writers are actually people. They have timelines, they have an inbox flooded with a ton of things. So they're like, why aren't they responding to my email? And then they go into stalker mode. And then sometimes they're just not doing it right. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they don't have the right, like I said, like headshots, images. They don't have the right talking points. They're looking 
you know, they're not looking professional or like media ready when they're on camera. So hiring a publicist will help you like accomplish all those things. So the first thing that we do is like a full scrub of like your brand. So I'll look at your headshots. I'll look at your website. I'll look at your social. I'll look at your past presence and see how we can provide feedback and what's a, a, a great way for you to pivot or what's the next level of creating awareness for you. Like, so for instance, with, with um, Patrice, for example, when I first started working with her, it's more so around elevating her profile and letting folks know who, who the actual co-founders of Black Lives Matter were. Just because, you know, there were a lot, a lot of misconceptions. And, you know, to this day, folks didn't even know that three Black women started that. Yeah, I was only working with one, but, like, just elevating that, like, narrative of, like, no, there were three Black women that started this, and Patrice was one of them. So the, the primary focus was to elevate her profile, then to build awareness around her book, which ultimately became a New York Times bestseller. Um, and then thirdly, right now what we're focusing on is elevating her in the art space because she's a performance artist at core. So like being a publicist will help you also peel back those layers to your story and figure out different ways you can like elevate beyond what you're initially thinking. And what advice would you give someone who is listening to this today and is just starting out, let's say their business is under a year old, how can mm-hmm. they start to, you know, and they, and they can't yet take on a retainer and a publicist, mm-hmm. but how can they start to get press for their business and one day get to that level? One thing I would suggest is sign up for Help a Reporter Out. And it's called Harrow. And what you basically get with that is every day you sign up for it, every day you get email inquiries that media outlets are looking for subjects for. So you'll get like a, in the morning, you'll get one in the afternoon and in the evening, you'll get a list of like topics that folks are looking to feature different brands or personalities on for for stories that they're writing. So that's the first thing I, I would do. And then just read, make sure you're up to date and reading the actual publications that you want to be featured in and knowing who's like the right writers or editors or producers for your specific story or angle. You know, folks get, you know, turned away or like, you know, turned off when someone's pitching them and it's not, they're like, I don't cover that. Right. So that means you didn't do your due diligence and do your research to make sure they're the right fit or right person for you. Just starting there and doing that. And even like I said early on, just starting small, start local at home in your home base and like digital platforms too, because they allow, they allow longevity and they have legs. I love, um, you know, I think Help a Reporter Out is an awesome website with a lot of opportunities for you. Yeah. So definitely I will link to that in the show notes. Before we jump into the lightning round next, what is next for WIT PR? What's next for what PR is this? I'm launching this. I'm wa- launching an online sort of um, school called the Wit PR Collective, which will basically be a 12-week learning program for entrepreneurs who are looking to build a stronger brand presence, um, looking to like generate some general media awareness around their brand. It's going to be extremely intimate. It's going to be limited enrollment, so there's only going to be 15 seats for every three-month cohort each. And um, they'll get a full curriculum from like how to craft a press release to pitching 101, what PR can do for you, how to prepare for a media interview. And I really started this because I was getting entrepreneurs, a lot of folks actually reaching out to me 
in the very early beginning phase who couldn't necessarily afford to hire a publicist or a firm, um, but they, you know, were just looking for some PR guidance and support. And so that's really why I started this thing. So that's what's next for me, really focusing on that and getting that launched off the ground now. We're in a beta testing phase right now with like a select group of folks, mm-hmm. but I'm going to officially launch in January. All right. I love that. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned, mm-hmm. you guys. Okay. Now let's yeah. jump into the lightning round. You just answer the first thing that comes to mind. You ready? Okay. All right. So number one, what is a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? HubSpot. So basically HubSpot is a widget that you integrate into your email. Um, And because we do a lot of pitching, it allows us to track and see when folks are opening up our emails, which is extremely helpful for us in PR because we want to know like when folks are actually reading our pitches. So that's one thing that has helped me um, in my business. Awesome. Number two, what's been the best business book or podcast episode or live event that you have consumed this year? I would say How I Built This, um, NPR's podcast, How I Built This with Guy Raz, has been like one of the best business podcasts that I've listened to this year, just because it tells the story of other entrepreneurs. And gets, like, because when you're in this, sometimes you get in a funk and like, or in a like tough spot and you're thinking like, is it just me? But this podcast has allowed me to see and hear from folks like, you know, Lisa Price and a bunch of other entrepreneurs who go through essentially the same thing that we go through as everyday entrepreneurs who haven't blown up yet. Yes, yes. Number three, who is a Black woman entrepreneur that you would want to trade places with for a day other than Oprah? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like, oh, that's who I would say. I'm like, uh, Oprah? Um, just only because of like her resources that she has in terms of like a full-blown team and putting some like she's just amazing so actually that's the only one I can think of right now Alrighty, (laughs) number four what is a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business I would say two things we put up motivational quotes on our whiteboard every week Mm -hmm. that just like carries us throughout the week but then also for me personally, I would say taking classes at Soul Cycle, just because it allowed it has helped me to like relieve stress, um, allows me to refocus, like after I come out of that class, and it allows me to like burn calories at the same time and work out. All right. And then finally, <laughs> what is your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss but are worried about losing that steady paycheck? Uh, I would say have faith, but also if you could stay at your full-time job as long as possible while you're still building up your business, do that so you can have that additional income coming in while you're pursuing your dream. Just because I didn't have that. Um, and, I, you know, sometimes I wish I did, but I'm extremely grateful for the, the path that I, I ended up going on. And finally, Drina, how can people connect with you after this episode and stay in the loop for when you launch? <laughs> um, you can follow me on Instagram or, or really Instagram and Twitter at Drina with PR. Um, and then you can always visit with PR.com for additional services and, and I mean, additional information on the business, but you can also go to with PR collective.com to learn more addition, learn more information about the online school. All right. And there you have it. 
Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash side hustle corner to get my weekly side hustle diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at Side Hustle Pro on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to join the Side Hustle Pro Facebook community. Go to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind. And as always, if you love the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Thank you.